0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Striving for Sainthood. Uh, The last three episodes were a three-part series in which I interviewed Father Rajiv, and I had a great time doing it, I learned a lot, but I know those episodes were pretty long, they were about 30 to 40 minutes long, and even though I enjoy sometimes that length of content, I also have a very short attention span, and I know a lot of other people might have that too. So we're going to go back to the basics, into what I kind of want for this podcast, which is about 10 to 15 minutes of content. So with that being said, let's get into the topic of today, the Four Marian Dogmas. Everything you ever needed to know about Mother Mary, starting now. the way we're going to tackle this huge idea, this concept of Mother Mary, is to break it apart into the four Marian doctrines which has been put forth by the Catholic Church. So we're going to hit them point by point. So these are the four Marian doctrines. The first one is Mary the Mother of God, the second one is the perpetual virginity of Mary, the third one is the Immaculate Conception of Mary, and the fourth one is Mary assumed into heaven. I might have said some foreign things for maybe some of our Catholic listeners or even our Christian friends. Um, But we'll get into it point by point. So the first one I want to hit is Mary, the mother of God. So this teaching is probably the easiest one to understand out of the four, but it's still kind of difficult to comprehend because essentially we're saying that Mary is the mother of God. And what does that mean? Well, we know that Mary gave birth to Jesus very explicitly. In Luke chapter 1 verses 31, Angel Gabriel appears to Mary and he says this, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. So across the board, doesn't matter whatever Christian you are, we know that Mary gave birth to Jesus. That's pretty easy to understand. So why is there like an argument or a conflict when it comes to Mary the mother of God? Well, it's because many people or some Christians believe that Mary just gave birth to the human aspect of God. Well, we know that's kind of heretical. Why? Because Jesus is true man, true God. From the moment he was born, he embodied the divine nature of God while also embodying the human nature. So we know that Mary gave birth to Christ himself, the divine person, not just the human aspect. In that sense, Mary is the mother of God because Jesus is our savior and we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and our God. So we kind of close the book on this teaching because it's pretty easy to understand. Now I'll attach more links in the description of this episode. So if anyone has questions, they can go into it and, and learn more about it. But I'm gonna move on to the next teaching because the other ones coming up, they're a lot harder to understand because this one is pretty simple. Mary gave birth to Jesus. Jesus is our God, therefore Mary is the mother of God. The next Marian doctrine is the perpetual virginity of Mary. Now this one sounds more ridiculous and yeah, it is, but nothing is out of the power of God and nothing is uh, impossible for God. So the way we wanna look at it is this. Many uh, Protestants, many other Christians, They look to the fact that Jesus had brothers and sisters. And I'm using quotations here because that's not true. We know that Jesus is the only Son of God. But people make the argument, okay, Mary could have bore other children. In the Bible, it says that, oh, look, Jesus is brothers and sisters. Mary had other children. That's the logical conclusion that many people have. But let's break apart Scripture because when we read the Word of God, we need to understand how the people of the New Testament, the people of Jesus' time, how they spoke, how they interacted, how their culture worked. So when we say brothers and sisters, that does not mean the biological siblings like maybe we have in our family, like our our actual brothers and sisters. In reality, brothers and sisters, that more likely points to the fact that Jesus had relatives, which we know is very likely because who was the cousin of Jesus? John the Baptist. So in that sense, they're using the phrase brothers and sisters of Christ in a, in a relational way that speaks to family, not the actual siblings of Christ. So that puts to rest the argument that Mary had other children. What about the next argument? The fact that, okay, Mother Mary was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how Jesus was born. Because she was only betrothed to uh, Joseph, they had not consummated their marriage yet. Okay, let's, let's look at that one. So we're essentially saying that, okay, Mary gave birth to Jesus, after that Mary went into the, into the house of Joseph and then they consummated their marriage. Sounds foolproof, but let's look at the way that the Jewish people were taught and look, look at the way that they were brought up because they followed customs and we know Joseph, Mary's husband, to be very righteous and a very holy and good man. So what that means is this, Joseph received a vision from angel Gabriel and the angel told him, Do not be afraid. Mary has conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, knowing that Joseph was a righteous man, and that he will follow the Jewish tradition set in place. He knew that if a man was betrothed to a woman and the woman became pregnant from another person, he could never have relations with her. So Joseph knew that the Holy Spirit was a spouse of Mary and that was the reason why she conceived of a son. So following tradition, he would never have marital relations with her. That's why he never consummated the marriage and that's how Mother Mary stayed a perpetual virgin. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making sense. I know it's kind of hard to understand. But this is where our faith comes into play. Following tradition and following what Joseph knew best, this is what he lived out. He knew that Mary was his wife, yet he also knew that she was set apart to be the spouse of the Holy Spirit so that Christ would come into the world. So that's that on that. Let's close that up. Let's move on to the next dogma, the next doctrine, which is the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And man, oh man, this is is the big one. This is the most... Uh, controversial one, the one that gets the most debates, the one that separates Protestants from Catholics, and it's hard to believe it is. Again, this is where faith comes into play, but when we look into Scripture and what the early church believed, we realize very quickly that the Immaculate Conception is a necessity. It's something that we have to believe because this is the important part. The moment we take away from Mary, we also take away from Christ. I'll go into more detail about what I mean by that. Um, as I continue to explain what the Immaculate Conception is. Now, what is the Immaculate Conception? The Immaculate Conception is the belief that is held by the Catholic Church that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was conceived without sin. Let me explain. It is profound, it is crazy, it is unfathomable that someone, a human, can be born without sin. Because what do we know of human nature? That human nature is sinful, that we are born with original sin, so on and so forth. But is sin more powerful than God? No, we know that God conquered death. So if we know that God conquered death, we can't be close-minded and just say that no, uh, every human is born with original sin, and there's no way that God can act outside of that. No, that's that's being small-minded. That's putting a limit on God. We know that God is the Almighty, and He can do all things. So where does all this talk about sin and Mother Mary come into play? Okay, so we know that Christ is born from Mother Mary because. He had to be. He had to be human and God to be the perfect sacrifice. And if he's a perfect sacrifice, that means his flesh is sinless. Now, if we imply that Mary's uh, flesh had sin, and if Christ came for Mary, does that mean that Christ's flesh had sin? No, absolutely not. We know that Jesus is perfect. He's never sinned, and he had to be perfect to be the perfect sacrifice. So if we imply and say that Mary had sin, That takes away from the divine nature and the perfect nature of who Jesus is. Therefore, Mother Mary could not have had sin. God protected her and preserved her from falling into original sin to thereby be the vessel to bring forth Christ. Because Christ shares the flesh that Mary had. And if Christ had perfect flesh, that means Mary had to have perfect flesh. Because Christ's body came from Mary. Now what I just said was a logical argument and it checks out but is there biblical proof for it? Of course. When angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and he gave the proclamation and annunciated what would happen in the coming days to Mary, in the coming months to Mary, what did he say? He said, Hail Mary, full of grace. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. Hail Mary, full of grace. Since the Bible was mostly written in Greek and Aramaic, let's go back to what the Greek word is for full of grace. The Greek word for full of grace is And kakare to mene in the perfect tense means to fill or endow with grace. And since it is in the perfect tense, it indicates a perfection of grace that is both intensive and extensive. Both internally is she perfect in grace and both externally, which was in her actions. Now, how can that be? All humans have sinned. But again, God acts outside of that. He is not held or bound by sin. Now, is this of Mary's own doing, of her own merit? No, she is human, she is not divine. But this points to the fact that God's grace and His will is that beautiful, that powerful, that He wants to make sure that Mary was preserved from sin. He kept her from falling into original sin to ensure that when Christ entered the world, He Himself would be entering through a perfect vessel, which was Mary. Okay, maybe you still don't believe me, and I get it, I understand. And listen, there's so much I can go into. There's so much biblical stuff. There's so many logical arguments. There's so many church doctrines and church fathers that speak about the immaculate conception of Mary. The fact that Mary was without sin. Maybe I can point to one more thing. And again, if you have any questions, let me know. Reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to explain as much as I can. And again, I will provide more links in the description. Okay, so here's one more example. When we think of Mary, we also have to think about the fact that she is the new Eve. What do I mean by that? All throughout the Bible there's a bunch of typology. What do we know Jesus to be? The new Adam. He's also known to be the new Moses. So in that typology where it plays off the Old Testament, there's something about Mary that's played off in the Old Testament. If Eve was the one that brought disobedience into the world by eating the fruit, then Mary is the new Eve because she brought salvation into the world and salvation is Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Do you see how that's old Eve and new Eve? Mary is the new Eve. If through one person, sin entered and death entered into the world, and through another person, salvation and life everlasting entered into the world. Okay, so let's check out what St. Justin the Martyr says, Eve, a virgin and undefiled, conceived the word of the serpent and bore disobedience and death. But the Virgin Mary received faith and joy when the angel Gabriel announced to her the glad tidings that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon her, and so on and so forth. Okay, so we gave about... A couple of different examples that point to why Mary was conceived without original sin. The logical argument that Christ's flesh had to be perfect so it came from Mary. the Biblical argument that Hail Mary full of grace is what Angel Gabriel said to Mother Mary. And the writings of the early Church Fathers which point to the fact that Mary is the new Eve which brought salvation into the world. Now did I even come close to explaining the fullness of what the Immaculate Conception is? No, there's no way that would take me a full day to explain but this is just a condensed version about these doctrines. So let's move on to the last of the four, the Assumption of Mother Mary. Okay, so what does the Assumption of Mother Mary speak to? The Assumption of Mother Mary says this, that Mother Mary was assumed into heaven, body and soul. Let's look carefully at the word that they used for Mother Mary. She was assumed into heaven. Notice how this is different from Jesus, who ascended into heaven. Ascending implies that Jesus of His own power went up into heaven, and that's true. Jesus, of his own power, because he is God, ascended into heaven. However, Mary was assumed, because again, she's human, not divine. That means God and Jesus, they assumed her into heaven. They lifted her up and glorified her body and soul, and they brought her into heaven to be with her son. The common question that arises after explaining this is, why would Jesus assume Mary into heaven? I think it's a very simple answer. Which son would not, when given the chance, want to honor their mother? I think all children want to honor their parents. They all want to make their parents happy. It's one of the commandments, to honor your father and mother. So Jesus, very naturally, very humanly, as he is human, he wants to honor his mother. And why not? Not because Mother Mary was divine or so powerful. No, because she was humble, and she lived according to what God wanted for her. And in that, Jesus saw it fit that he would bring Mother Mary into heaven to be with him. And I think that's something really beautiful to look into the fact that Jesus loved his mother so that he would bring her into heaven. I think that's all I have for what the assumption of Mary is. I know I didn't offer much biblical explanation, but I wanted to kind of go the more personal route, which was Jesus wants to glorify his mother. And again, as we close off these four Marian dogmas, these big teachings of the church, in no way did I, you know, explain the most eloquently or the most, you know, in the most beautiful way. There are plenty of other resources out there. But I thought I would kind of put my own spin on it and maybe explain very quickly, kind of briefly, that this is what the church teaches and it's something beautiful that the church teaches and that we should hold on to it. Okay, since this podcast is about striving for sainthood, who is the saint for today? I think very fittingly it should be Mother Mary. This last weekend we celebrated the queenship of Mother Mary and the week before we celebrated the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Both are feasts that point to the beauty of who Mary is. So why don't we sit and contemplate on these four Marian doctrines, that Mary is the mother of God, that Mary is a perpetual virgin, that Mary was immaculately conceived, and that Mary was assumed into heaven. And by contemplating on these mysteries, and by honoring who Mary is, we then give praise and glory to who God is, that God chose Mary to be the mother of our Savior Jesus Christ.